You're listening to Sound the Foghorn, the Minnesota Wild podcast made by fans for fans. For Kaprizov, back to Zuccarello, back to Kaprizov, he scores! Covering team news, prospect analysis, game-by-game breakdowns, advanced stats, and much more. Back to Kaprizov, he scores! And now, here are your hosts, Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyat, and Justin Baki. Hello, and welcome in to episode 99 of Sound the Foghorn. Zeke Boyat, Justin Baki, Brett Marshall here with you. Jam-packed episode today. Of course, you know, it's great to have shows when things are going great, but that also means you got to have shows when things aren't going so great. Um, We've done both back to the not-so-great time right now with the Wild having lost three in a row um, on a little bit of a slide currently out of a playoff spot. Um, Quickly how things change when the Vikings uh, got eliminated from the playoffs. The Wild were five games out of first place in the division with a game in hand, and now they are on the outside looking in. Um, so not great. We'll uh, we'll talk about what's going wrong. Um, we'll talk about potential changes. We'll talk about discipline. We'll talk about all kinds of stuff. But before we get to all that, gotta check in with everyone, as we always do. Justin, great to have you here as always. How are things going this evening? And uh, you know, so far this past week, uh, going well. It's been a busy week, of course, with um, work and and the kids' hockey. Uh, tonight, I'm still trying to defrost my son had hockey tonight and we were out there for a couple hours and uh, by the end of it i was just kind of standing around because i of course wasn't skating um but no doing well it's you know outside of the wild losses it's it's been really good because you know always watching my kids play hockey is a pick me up so for sure zeke what about you yeah no not not much too special going on just been you know working a lot uh you know watching hockey same as everyone else just uh getting through tomorrow and then I got four days off in a row to just sit around and watch hockey and do whatever I want. So, you know, I just got to, so that's look forward to that, but you know, otherwise uh, pretty good and, uh, you know, happy to be back here talking to you guys tonight. Awesome. Well, let's start as we always do with the prospect update and there's, you know, some storylines here developing and different yeah. things. So you may take a little bit of an extended look at the prospects today. Um, but Justin, we'll, uh, we'll let you kick things off and we'll, uh, we'll build as we go. Sounds good. I think I'll start with the bad and move to the good. Uh, get the bad out of the way. So uh, first things first, it <clears throat> looks like Liam Ugrin uh, got injured in their last game that he played. Um, not quite sure what happened. Looking like maybe some type of lower body injury. Uh, Brett yeah. posted a video of it from Spokesy earlier. And like hip or kind of, knee. Just kind of like yeah. it, did, it looked like pretty like kind of a harmless play. He just got kind of yeah. like rubbed out along the bench and just kind of mm-hmm. came up gimpy. And I think he tried mm-hmm. – um, to go out on the next shift and was just in too much pain. So I don't think Jew Gardens has said anything about the injury yet. So I don't, we don't know anything mm-hmm. on timeline or anything like that. But total bummer because he was kind of on a heater, had points in nine of his yeah. last 10 games, um, had a hat trick right before I think the World Juniors and had come yeah. back and I think scored in like three straight. So uh, yeah, tough, too, tough situation. He was cooking. Yeah, <laughs> sucks. But, yeah, he was saw someone post that he was uh of the big three on that team kind of the one that's taken the scoring lead for the yep. team and 
Uh, yeah, it sucks. I mean, he's only 18, and that's uh, good news for that. But mm-hmm. you hope that the, the recovery is quick and that it isn't too serious. Yeah. You know, if, I don't know where they are in terms of playoff standing, but those games, so so not necessarily important, but so beneficial um, mm-hmm. for development when you can be, you know, as a young player, be a leader on a playoff team and get those meaningful games played. So, mm-hmm. yeah, like you said, hopefully a speedy recovery. Uh, I'm sure we'll – I'm sure the prospects page or spoke Z or someone will, will keep tabs and hopefully we get some news on what's going on uh, sooner rather than later. But as hockey teams tend to be very usually tightly shut doors on injuries. So who knows? Uh, The next kind of bad news. I don't know if it's bad news. Uh, Yurov was hurt for a while. I think Uh, they didn't really say, I'm just kind of assuming that he got hurt. He was out for a while. He played, uh, in their last game, uh, Metalurg or Magnagursk, however you want to say their team name, um, played like three minutes of time on ice. So kind of the same dog and pony show with him over there where he flips between the KHL and MHL, and then he plays the first line, and then he's the 13th forward, and then he's – it's just frustrating. He's kind of, like you said, on your page, Brett, getting the who's Nadinov treatment from last year, and yeah. I think he's getting pressured to sign, which I hope he doesn't. I hope he comes over here next year and – doesn't have to deal with that crap anymore yeah it's kind of a double-edged sword like for me like if you're upset and don't mm-hmm. want to play him in the khl fine like stick him in the mhl let him dominate that league for me it's just like the frustrating part is the fact that when he, he's just not playing at all right like you yep. mentioned um like you know it's hard to find box scores in most places um elite prospects has it if you're a premium subscriber which i am because i love prospects um and his game logs there was a gap between the ninth and the uh, I think it was like the 23rd. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're that's where we're assuming he was injured, sick again, really tightly shut on what's going on. But, mm-hmm. you know, he has played in one of the others. So we're assuming he was injured or sick or something during that time frame. But, yeah, he comes back and, like you said, Justin, yeah. like barely any ice time. So hopefully it's maybe it's like an easier back in type of thing. But definitely um, something to monitor as they play more games or – but. Um, yeah, is under contract at the end of this year, at which point he could return to North America. But like we mentioned, um, you know, the potential of a, you know, if you want to play, you better sign this extension, which um, it, it's interesting with him because who's Nadinov? You know, I don't think he ever really intended to come over right away. But, you know, Yurov was very pointed about, even in his interviews, like, yeah, I'm really excited. He made a point to be here for the draft. Um, I think he expressed, you know, want and desire to play in North America. Um, it's not mm. SKA who, you know, has more of that leverage being one of kind of the two premier teams with CSKA and SKA, um, you know, with Magneto Metalgur or Metalgurg. I, I don't even know. Metalurg, Magnetogorsk, I think is the, the full name or something. Um, so maybe there isn't as much pressure with it being, you know, a slightly lower caliber team. Um, so I think it's really interesting to see, you know, will he just kind of ride it out and be like, well, if I'm playing five minutes a night, whatever, I guess I'll get through this season. Then I'll head to Iowa, but, um, it'll be really interesting to see kind of what unfolds there. You know, that's always the tricky part with these Russian prospects. It was kind of a known risk going into the draft, but with wild having two first round picks, it's a a swing they took and, you know, we'll kind of see how it all plays out, but, uh, definitely something to, to monitor. Yeah. And I think that, you know, the, we've talked about this before, but even if he does, you know, re-sign there for another two or three years. It's, you know, it, it sucks, but it's probably not the biggest end yeah. of the, you know, not the end of the world. Like, I mean, like you guys have, you know, just said, you know, maybe if he does, like Justin mentioned, if he does sign, maybe he will actually, you know, get a chance to, to actually play on that team, you know, and develop in which case is, you know, almost as good or better than playing at the AHL level. So 
you know, wouldn't be the end of the world. But yeah, I'm with I'm with you guys. It would be good to uh, it'd be good to get your hands on these guys before they're, you know, basically six years into their career. And uh, you know, but mm-hmm. but then at the end of the day, it's not if he's not <clears> twenty two that could work out just fine with this team as well. So. Yeah. Well, yeah. You notice with like who's who's in the DNF he resigned. He gets a letter. He gets first line minutes. He gets power play minutes. He's just playing with Nikita Gusev. It's <laughs> you knew he was good enough for that, but you just in the back of your mind, it's like okay, the KHL is doing what it does, like trying to get these guys to sign, stay over there. Yep. But uh, moving on. I'll kind of touch on the a couple of the prospects that had good weeks, and then we'll move to the really good stuff. Yeah, so um, that's the end of the bad news, by the way. Yeah, that's the the bad news. So <laughs> it's good that year I was back, but yeah, <laughs> more minutes, please. Right. Um, Nikita Nesterenko picked up a p- couple points this week. Um, Caden Bank here had a three assist game. It seems like him and Masters have kind of been bumped down the lineup a little bit with that big trade they made. Uh, Zellweger got traded to them, and then I forgot the the forward that got traded to them. They're still playing well and getting good minutes, like top two-line minutes, but uh, Masters is basically bumped to second pair. And Bank here I've seen anywhere between first and third line. It's just kind of Yeah, that team is actually freaking stacked. It is. It's stacked. It's, They're nuts. Like, they've got a legit right. shot at the Milwaukee Cup, so... And it's nothing against them. It's just that no. team has so many good players. Yeah. It's, I mean, Zellweger's like, I, I want to say he's... Probably Anaheim's top prospect. Yes, he's. Yeah. I mean, if, if you want to include McTavish in there, right? Like, I guess you could, but yeah, I think he's like, and like probably like a maybe a top 10, 15 prospect in the league right, right now. I haven't yeah. looked mm-hmm. at those rankings, but he's he's a really really good player. Not to say Masters yeah. isn't, but like this guy's like top pair right. of potential, yeah. I think. So yeah. Anyway, uh, and then Carson Lambos had a good week. He was actually our player of the week this week. Had a five points and one of uh, three goals to assist. One of his goals ended up being a game-winning goal. So uh, he's starting to heat up. He's getting close to touching a point uh, per game again. Um, kind of goes through stretches this season without points. But, again, Winnipeg's a really good team. He doesn't necessarily need to pick up points for them, but it's just nice to see him do so. <clears throat> uh, next, we'll move into the big stuff, Iowa. They won against Rockford last night, and they're now on an eight-game point streak, 7-0-1 in that stretch. Um, really heating up, really cooking. Uh, good to see them, you know, kind of fully healthy, getting guys like, of course, not getting called up to the big leagues, which we want those guys up here, but it just helps them, obviously, like Rossi and and Sammy Walker and all those guys just playing really well. Uh, speaking of playing really well, Jesper Volstead. Six wins in a row. He's won his last six starts. He hasn't allowed one goal or less in five of those six starts. And in the start that he allowed more than one goal, it was only two goals. Um, one goal, 1.00 goals against the average and uh, 96% save percent in that span. So he's really heating up, like really playing well. This is kind of the Volstead that uh, we saw in Sweden. That team didn't get goal support for him, but it seems like I was. Uh, they're just they're cooking right now. Yeah, and I think there's something to be said. I mean, you talked about nice having all those guys down there. I don't even think it's necessary. I mean, obviously the skill of you know when right. you have a line of Beckman, Rossi, and yeah. and, uh, and uh, uh, who's the winger? Uh, Walker. 
Like when you have a line like that, that's you know that's three NHL guys that probably could be playing in the NHL. Um, so it's a great it's great one to have that skill, but two I think to be able to kind of build that consistency because I think when mm-hmm. you have guys kind of bouncing back and forth, you're juggling lines, and you know this is like any other team. If you're juggling lines every night, you're gonna lose some of that chemistry. You got to figure out how to play with new guys. You got you know guys coming up and down from the ECHL. Like it's it's hard to manage. Um, and, you know, I think having that consistency has been huge for the offense and then just to kind of build that consistency in front of Allstead too. Um, this is where I wish I had access to, like, goal save above expected too. Like, is, you know, I want to – because, I mean, you don't go 6 0 0 along one goal a game. Well, you know, I don't care how good the defense is. That's phenomenal. Um, but, you know, it would be nice to see, you know, just how good, you know, taking to that mm-hmm. next level, which I'm sure that data is out there somewhere. I'm just too lazy to find it. But um, – <laughs> I think too, it's just, you know, there, we knew it was going to be probably somewhat of an adjustment period. It's a North American style of play. Mm-hmm. It's a faster game. I mean, you know, half the age, I don't know what the number is, but it's probably a third to a half of the HL is guys that at one point, you know, probably played in the NHL or will play in the NHL. So, you know, you're going to have, you know, better shooters, better passing plays, more creative special teams, those types of things. So all that takes time to adjust to. And, you know, I think it certainly seems anyway that he's, you know, kind of figured it out. Um, and we're really seeing, you know, the, the legit, you know, potential franchise goaltender, um, really starting to emerge there, which is a really, really good sign. Um, mm-hmm. especially amidst, you know, how well Philip Gustafson's been playing as well. Just mm-hmm. makes you excited for the future of the position, which it's felt like it's been a while, you know, we were kind of, you know, Oh yeah, Kath O'Kakin and he's a thing, but the wild really haven't had their own homegrown goalie prospects since Josh Harding. So, mm-hmm. and I mean, I think it's, you know, it's just, it's good to see him, string together, you know, a bunch of good games yeah. in a row, like you said, because obviously, you know, beginning of the year, it's easy to remember that he's 19, despite how good he was. And I mean, it's easy to forget that just because, yep. you know, how good he's been in Sweden and, you know, in the men's league and at the world juniors. So, you know, you would kind of go on there, you know, maybe look at the stats, you know, like a lot of young goalies, even in that AHL, you know, not looking too great and just, you know, the save percentage and all that right away. But, you know, obviously when, when they're that young and that skilled, the most important thing, you know, as we're seeing now is that they just play in games and, you know, get the reps and get, you know, every opportunity to, uh, you know, continue to develop. And obviously, you know, he's done that and hasn't taken him, you know, too long to get back, uh, you know, playing to his potential and really starting to improve. So, yeah, no, it's it's great to see. Absolutely. Then uh, another guy heating up. I'm, I don't know if you want to go over this, Brett, or if you want me to cherry pick from your, your post. Uh, go, go for it. People All right, uh, Marco Rossi uh, had two <laughs> two point night last night. One goal, one assist. Um, ended up getting the the assist on Patan's game winner. Uh, in sixteen games, he has seven goals, two on the power play, eleven assists, plus five rating, and thirty eight shots on goal. Um, really playing well in Iowa. Uh, you know, fans are like, "Oh, I don't." He'll go a game without a point. They're like, "Oh, he." he's not doing well down there is he it's no he's really playing well he's having a good season down there he's uh, yeah he's he's playing well yeah i think you can see the confidence really building these last three games have been really impressive um two against the milwaukee admirals and then um against rockford but his last three games three goals three assists um a plus three rating and then to me kind of the eye-popping stat um, 15 shots in those three games, averaging five shots a night right now. Had five last night, seven the game before, and three the game before that. Like, he's starting to put the puck on net a little bit more. Um, you know, what's resulting in some goals going in for him. Um, and just, and if, 
you know, you just see some of these shifts now where it really feels like he's taking over a shift. He's being hard on the forecheck. He's commanding the puck. He's getting to the middle of the ice. I think a lot of those things that were just kind of missing um, kind of from his time up in the NHL. So um, it's been great to see kind of those things really start to come full circle um, and that, uh, you know, him just continue to develop. You know, we talked about development not being linear. Um, we talk about that every week on this show. Um, you know, there's so much... It went from everyone loves Rossi to put him in the lineup to now people like, ah, screw Marco Rossi, trade him, value's high, he's a bust. I'm like, his kid is 21 years old. He missed a year of development. Um, have some freaking patience. I think, you know, I think this organization, you know, saw Matt Boldy and Kirill Kaprizov come in in back-to-back years and be awesome, and now they expect every time that a prospect gets called up to have the same success, yeah. and it's, mm-hmm. you know. As great as that would be, it's it's never ever gonna happen. So, um, I think it does beg the question though, as we you know kind of transition into um, you know talk about the big club now. Is you know we we're yeah. starting to see some struggles in the Wild's top six. Um, you know Sam Steele, he's been fine. Like I don't think he's playing poorly, but it just feels like it's gotten to that point where he's not really elevating that first line anymore. We've seen him you know have some really good scoring chances, be in, unable to finish. Um, that line hasn't been particularly great um, at five on five of the last two three weeks. Um, you know, we there's Ryan Hartman struggling on the second line. You know, Freddie Goudreau is what he is. Um, you know, it seems like this top six could use some sort of injection of offense, and I think you know there's a couple ways to address it. One is you know shuffling the lines all together. Um, another way would be you know addressing through trade. Um, and we can talk about both of those scenarios. But the other option could be, do, do you recall Marco Rossi right now? And I think I'm conflicted because I think, you know, obviously the big club needs it, right? They need something mm-hmm. to kind of jumpstart that scoring in the top six. But at the same time, you know, is this the best time to call a guy up when he, you know, starting to really feel confident or do you just kind of let him cook right now and be like, hey, you're on fire we don't want to change anything. Just keep keep doing it. Do it for another week or two, and if you're still on fire, then we'll, you know, maybe maybe make the call. But uh, where, where do you guys stand? Do you think it's a time where they should call up Rossi? Do you think they should, you know, just kind of let him cook and see if they can figure out other means? Where are you guys at? Well, you see, I'm I'm kind of con, you know a little bit conflicted too. I think you know mainly I would like to see him get the call up. Uh, you know, pretty much. You know, the thing about that obviously though is if. You know, there. If he's going to be called up, he needs to be in the top six. Uh, I preferably, you know, like a lot of people have been saying, would you know like to give him a shot on that top line, you know, with Kaprizov and Zuccarello, uh, just to see what happens, see if you know the offense can click there. And I mean, you could even try him on the you know the second line with Boldy and Hartman or Goudreau or whoever, just to you know see if it works. Um, you know, I I don't know. I personally would like to see him up. I think. You know, like you said, Brett, this might be more to the benefit of the team, but they just seem to need a little bit of an offensive boost. And obviously, you know, uh, Sam Steele, Ryan Hartman, those guys aren't really doing, you know, a ton for the team right now. But, you know, I can also see the team maybe taking the, you know, as they've talked about before, you know, them always doing what's, uh, you know, best by these guys and their development when they're young like this. Like, you know, I could also see him very well just leaving him there. But I I personally, in my opinion, would uh, – think it could do you know both the team and him good uh, because originally it seemed like you know the plan was to have him down there for maybe eight ten or so games and then get him rolling and get him back up so you know uh, who knows if they feel like he's accomplished that but you know i i say if 
I say, you know, give him the shot, get him up here and let's see what he can do in a, in a bigger role. Yeah. I'm going to kind of speak to that same sentiment. <clears throat> I'm, I'm kind of torn. Uh, I love seeing him cook down there and, and see him continue to build on, you know, what, what he's doing right now and gain that confidence, keep building it, keep building it. But you know, we're, we're kind of reeling right now at the same time. Haven't been able to score five on five very much. Maybe he is the shakeup that we need if he's, you know, if the Wild feel like he's playing well enough down there to come up. You know, we I've spoke about it in the past. We've spoken about it in the past. But he's, uh, you know, when he played in Iowa with Boldy, those two had amazing chemistry. I mean, why not uh, bring him up? Like you said, Zeke, have him play with Boldy and see if that chemistry is there at the NHL level again. Um I agree with the top line too. Maybe try him there because Steel, like you said, Brett hasn't been bad, but maybe they need a boost. That, that that line hasn't been scoring very much. Haven't looked like the same line that they've been. Uh, it's it's really hard to say. I mean, I can see both sides of the coin, honestly. Yeah, this I... is where you know they. This is well, I was say this is where you know uh, obviously Garen and their staff's job is to make these decisions that you know. Yep. Uh, weigh both player and team concerns. And I think the other piece that you have to kind of factor in, I believe they currently do have one available spot to recall someone. I think you can have 23 in the oh, NHL at a time. I think they have 22 right now, so they have the room. They obviously have the cap space to do it. Um, but if you do recall someone, now you have 14 forwards, which means you know, you're already healthy scratching Mason Shaw. Um, who are you taking out of the lineup? I think, you know, obviously I think the, the easy answer right now, you know, at least for a one-game scratch is Ryan Hartman. We can get in that to a minute. Um, but, you know, say you healthy scratch him for one game, Rossi is a good game, now who are you taking out? Um, you know, it's probably somebody on that fourth line, whether that's Reeves, Dewar, Duhame. Um, but to me, those three have, you know, I think in a, amidst the struggle, have they been scoring? No, but I, have they been doing their jobs? Um, absolutely. I think Connor Dewar continues to be good on the penalty kill. I think Brandon Duhame um, has looked really solid kind of since returning to the lineup. And then, um, you know, regardless of, you know, how much you believe um, Ryan Reeves does night in, night out or not, um, it just doesn't seem like he's a guy they want to take out of the lineup, um, at least right now. So, um, you know, it's decisions like that that, you know, can kind of complicate things a little bit too. Yeah. Um, I Definitely don't envy those guys for having to make those decisions because <laughs> no, you're gonna you're gonna piss somebody off. So yeah, right. One way or another. So, um, speaking of pissed off, let's talk a little bit about Ryan Hartman. Um, hasn't been a glowing stretch of games here, um, for the veteran wild forward. So if we go back to January eighth, um, he is. He is a minus seven. Um, two goals, two assists in that span. Um, but the big talking point, especially these last three games, um, 21 minutes in penalties. I believe that's, um, <clears throat> I think it's like two or three minor penalty, two, three, four minor penalties in there, a misconduct penalty. Um, but on top of that, it's just, it's these untimely penalties, you know, the wild, they're in a game last night to tie game. Um, Ryan Hartman the, takes one penalty kind of when they had some momentum, um, that one, you know, questionable call. He's driving the net with the puck, gently clips Vasilevsky, who um, acted it out pretty well, grabbed his helmet, they get him for goalie interference. And then um, late in the game, in a in a 2-2 game, um, when the Wild had, you know, just kind of battled back and felt like they were maybe turning the tides um, with about 
five, six minutes left in the third, he took a, I think it was a hooking minor, um, kind of behind the play. It gets a penalty. Um, Tampa Bay scores on that power play, a little bit of a fluky goal, but ends up costing him the game. Um, and it felt like the night before he took some untimely, costly penalties. And it's, you know, it's the undiscipline. It's the game misconduct comes because he's mouthing off at the ref. And it just feels like I, mentally he just seems to be fighting it right now. Um, and it just seems like it, you know, it could almost be, you know, a Matt Dumba situation. We can talk about him in a second too. He maybe d- just needs a mental reset. Just take a game in from the press box, collect everything, and then come back. But um, been a little bit frustrating, especially after he had such a good year last year where it seemed like he wasn't doing that. Um, he was scoring goals. He was, you know, a really valuable part of this team. And now it just feels like all that's just kind of crumbled and it's kind of back to the old Ryan Hartman. Yeah, you took the words out of my mouth. I was going to say it's definitely different last year when it seems like he didn't have some of these hot-headed plays as much. And, you know, he's kind of gone through that in his uh, career at times. He'll go through those times. But um, he's certainly fighting it right now. I'd, I'd, you'd like to think that, you know, last game he kind of took the blame. Yeah, he took some stupid penalties. You want the team to play better as a whole, though, so that those guys don't have to take the blame like that. But at the same time, you got to – play more disciplined and and give your team a, a more of a chance uh, as a whole this team they're like third only behind florida and montreal for taking penalties so it's not just him it's kind of the whole team collectively is just got to be more disciplined stop taking these penalties it's i know we're talking about hartman and yeah he's really got to clean it up but really the whole team has to clean up this penalty situation because we can't keep getting shorthanded and expect to, you know, keep leads or even come back in games. Cause like you saw with Tampa, they, they just kept scoring power play goals and eventually it just killed us. Hmm. Well, I mean, I think, you, you know, you get, obviously like you just mentioned, everyone knows you can just see the frustration on his face. And I think that that also shows in the, I mean, part of it stems from the fact that, you know, I feel like he still has had in a lot of these games, some decent scoring chances and has been, a lot of times, you know, flubbing on shots, you know, missing, you know, well wider than that, uh, just, just not scoring. I mean, obviously the whole team's been doing that, but he seems to, because there's been at times before, and you know, he's kind of taken the dumb penalty or made the stupid turnover or, or, or whatever that, you know, he's played okay at times the ice, but he just to, you know, like the rest of the team has not finished and, and it's obviously frustrating to watch. You can only imagine how frustrating it is as a player. But I mean, but yeah, I mean, like, you, like everyone knows, you got to be able to keep control of your emotions, you know, especially at the NHL level. Uh, you, you can't be going out there and taking, you know, the biggest example, you know, in Florida games 3 2 with seven, eight minutes left. You know, you take the, or, or was it in the second period? Either way, that was at a time, you know, Wilds mm-hmm. were down one, had serious momentum, you know seemed like they were going to maybe tie that game up and have a chance to win it. You know, he takes the penalty, Florida scores, you know, you're back down by two, making it, you know, a lot harder on your team. And, you know, like everyone knows, it's just, I mean, Dean Evison basically, you, you know, he didn't fully call him out, but, you know, he just basically said, you can't do that. And, uh, you know, he, he said the, like stupid, absolutely fucking stupid, yeah, I think, or something, or his, or his quote, something along those yeah. lines. And then, I mean, and then that dumb fight that they, for some reason, you know, let him do after, which is kind of silly mm-hmm. too. But yeah, no, it's yeah, it's it's frustrating. Uh, I guess I don't really know what the solution is. Uh, you know, I know people. Some people might say, well, maybe if you sit him for a game or two, that might help. But 
It doesn't seem like they're going to necessarily do that, or they would have already, but I, I guess he'll just have to play himself out of it and keep better control of his emotions. Yeah, it's just been it's been tough in the wild. You know, Justin, you alluded to this, you know, way too much time killing penalties these last three games. They've been in a slide. Uh, we're shorthanded for almost 13 minutes against the Hurricanes. Um, not as bad against Florida, but three minutes and 25 seconds, those two minor penalties. But Zeke, as you alluded to, that one minor penalty to Hartman really, really cost him um, in that game, one of those two penalties. And then, um, you know, I think it was five mm-hmm. minor penalties last night spent almost – um, eight minutes on that kill. Um, Tampa Bay technically awarded one power play goal, um, but one of their goals came, I think, pretty much as the penalty expired, like within five, ten seconds after. So essentially a power play goal. So, um, you know, that coupled with, you know, this lack of 5v5 scoring is really, really hurting this team. Um, and we talked about, you know, kind of jumping around a little bit. You know, we have to kind of inject life into this top six somehow. I mean, one solution that's been floated around is do you reunite Hartman with Kaprizov and Zuccarello? Um, but, you know, if you're Sam Steele, and like we said, he hasn't necessarily played poorly by any means. Like, mm-hmm. it's not like, we're, oh, what a bad play by Sam Steele. It's more like, ah, I wish Sam Steele would have scored there. You know, I th- I can count, you know, there was a there was a play was it, I think two nights ago where he had a really nice one. He got a pass from Zuccarello out of one-timer that if it hits the net, it's probably a goal. Last night, the Wild had that really good zone zone entry little tic-tac-toe play where he kind of gets a partial break and had he just been able to elevate it a little bit higher you know that's maybe a goal in that game um it you know i'm not blaming him it's hard to score in the nhl like not everyone is an elite finisher but um so you know if you're the wild and you're looking to shake things up a little bit but you know what message does that send to the team if hey obviously a guy who's been hurting us a lot lately we're gonna promote him to the first line and then sam Steele, you know you're gonna get a demotion i guess to the second line um, you know, so it's, that's kind of, it's just a little bit dicey for me. Like the timing would seem off a little bit on it. Um, you know, if he sat that one game, came back, played well, then you bump him up. Um, maybe, maybe it's like a post all-star break type of move or something, but, um, yeah, you know, just, we do, they need more out of him, right? You know, this is a guy that, yeah. you know, potted 35 goals for him last year. And, um, on the season right now, he has five. Um, yeah. So through 25 uh, games, so I don't know what that pace would be, but um, like, eh, be a, that's a it's well off 40. Like, is all I know. Like 18, uh, maybe 20. Yeah, but you know, you know, path to a, you know mm-hmm. a third less than what he had last year, so not ideal. Um, by any means. Well, and I mean, he, he does not even you know, it's not like he even has to score at the 30 35 goal pace to. Right. You know, be good, obviously, as we saw his first two years here where he was, you know, the 10-goal, 20, 25-point guy. But, I mean, like you said, uh, you know, he's actively hurting the team and is the liability. So, you know, that's – because, I mean, even his scoring points, he's on pace for, I think, 82 games, like 40-something points. So, still, which is pretty solid if he was, you know, not losing his mind every shift. But, yeah, it's, it's a problem. Nothing else to say for me. Um, let's move next in, you know, while we're talking about, you know, scratching players and all that stuff, let's talk next about Matt Dumba. Um, obviously one of the biggest storylines kind of since our last show, um, was Matt Dumba being healthy scratched. Um, Dean Evison and staff really not happy, um, with the way he had been playing. Notably, I, was it the, was it the Carolina game? Washington. Um, Or the Washington game where he was really, really bad. Yeah, I think it was the Washington game. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have the player card from that game. I'm trying to pull it up here. Where are you? I thought I had it. I know I tweeted it. <laughs> um, <laughs> where is it? There it is. Yeah. <clears throat> um, against Washington. So on the Tuesday the seventeenth. So maybe that was the game. So the game right before we recorded last week. But in that game, um, he wasn't scored on. I don't think. Um, but finished the game with 1.87 expected goals against, um, 21 shot attempts, um, only had two blocks, one hit, um, picked up an assist in that one, a second assist, but just like defensively, just a mess that entire game. Um, you know, the games before that, you know, there were some plays they didn't like, some turnovers, different things. Um, obviously his name has been swirling through trade rumors and, um, the interesting thing about the, the scratch is it seemed like maybe there was like starting to be like an uptick in interest, uh, I think notably from the Oilers and the Senators, um, who are notorious for trading for bad defensemen, um, <laughs> especially the Oilers. I can't, for a team that needs help defensively, mm-hmm. I don't think bringing in Matt Dumba would be beneficial to them. Um, but, you know, if they want to, all, all the power to them. But, um, it was, you know, I, I got the scratch from a from a standpoint of not playing well, but the timing just seemed really odd. I don't know if that was just an Evison decision. I don't know if that's, you know, I would think he's, that'd be something run by Garen, but, you know, if you're a Bill Garen and you finally have teams calling on him, you, you know, do, do you maybe take him out like, hey, we don't want to see how bad he's playing. Um, I don't know, it was kind of just a weird situation all around, and then um, they liked Goligoski's game, so Goligoski plays two games instead of one. I don't know, it was just a really kind of, odd situation from you know it's your assistant captain the, the timing of everything like mm-hmm. i don't know if you're matt dumba like it's just i, I just too from just a team standpoint like it's just got to play so many mental gymnastics with him too or now he's you know already worried about being traded and now he's worried about how he's playing like i don't know, just all of it was really odd to me and i really don't know how i feel about it all still um yeah well i mean i think it's especially weird i mean like you mentioned that it seems to me at least that, you know, he had games earlier in the season in that long stretch where he was, you know, consistently pretty bad and, you know, he was in the lineup and still playing a lot. So like you said, it's definitely a, you know, very kind of weird that, you know, no matter how bad the one game is that, you know, that he was out after just one bad night. Uh, And I mean, like you said, it's obviously the speculation on his, you know, future at least this season with the team, you know, it presented the trade speculation, which obviously Russo, uh, you know, put out soon after because, you know, you kind of think, well, why else would, you know, you just didn't think it was going to be a possibility. Uh, he, he thought, why else would he be scratched? But yeah, no, it, it was uh, kind of seems to, it seems at least, you know, based off what we know that it was the coaching staff decision, Evson's not anything from the GM. So uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess you know I'm confused as as anybody too here. I don't really don't really have an explanation for why just you know one game was enough for that. But yeah, I don't really have much to add. I honestly <clears throat> thought he was getting traded, and of course it came out like as performance related. But um, I know they're professionals, but still knowing the fact that you could possibly get traded, uh, you spent your whole ten year career here so far. Um, these guys are human too. Like that, I'm not making excuses for his play on the ice, but you, you have to know that that stuff just just plays with you. It's it's your life you're playing with. Like really, these guys, 
even mm-hmm. though they know what they're getting into as professionals, it's still, it takes a toll on them. And, you know, it, it seems like since he's been scratched, he's played better and uh, you want him to continue to do so and, and get better and better. But uh, it, it was, it was such a weird situation. I, I didn't expect him to get scratched, but uh, kind of understood why he did as well. Um, I know you alluded to him being in the show too, Brett. There's other guys that maybe have a longer leash, it seems like. But, um, yeah, so, uh, same sentiment, weird situation. Um, we're past it, but uh, we'll kind of see where it goes from here. You know, I mean, you know, by the trade deadline or you know, for sure at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you know, it's also kind of, I mean, like, like, like Brett had said, you know, with, potential effect on trade value whatnot i mean we know too that they seem to want to if they are going to trade him they want a player back that you know they think makes them better and another defenseman or have a subsequent trade in place so yeah if you maybe have a bite like you know if edmonton hey we'll give you this we'll figure the wilds like okay great but before we do that we have to go out and find Mm -hmm. you know i i have no idea who they you know maybe one name that comes to mind is like vladislav gavrikov um for columbus but like Mm-hmm. You know, I don't. I don't think they're trading for a, a John Klingberg. I think Russo expect no. they have interest in Luke Shen, but I don't think he's a guy they see as a top four defenseman. So, like to me, it's just like, okay. So if you make that trade, not like, so you're, are you still burying Golagoski or like, I don't know, just a lot yeah. of other like moving parts too. I think that just make the whole situation even all that more confusing. Hmm. Well, totally. Um, and the other piece, Justin, you were alluding to this, and I talked about it kind of at the top of the show, but it's just kind of Dean Evison's scratching methodology and just kind of the way he seems to discipline players differently. Um, and I get there's going to be, you know, with any job, with any player-coach relationship, there's always they're always going to play favorites. Whether or not they say they do or not, that is the case, right? But we saw it last year with, you know, the likes of Kevin Fiala. Right, you know, he'd make, you know, especially early in the season, he makes one mistake, and all of a sudden he's in the doghouse, doesn't see a shift for, you know, a period and a half. Um, you know, this year we're seeing it with Matt Dumba, right? We saw Jordan Greenway get some get some discipline in there, right? Mm-hmm. Which obviously that was very warranted based on the circumstances, but you know, it just seems like, you know, I'm not saying Freddie Goudreau has made egregious mistakes, but it, it just feels like if Freddie Goudreau did out and did went and did the same thing that a Kevin Fiala or a Matt Dumba had had done that he would just be out there on his next shift nothing would happen everything would be fine and dandy um you know and it just feels like a lot of players in the stretch hartman um john merrill um you know as much as it hurts me to say it at five on five Kalen addison like some of these guys just feel like you know nightly they're making these mistakes and it just doesn't really feel like there's been equal repercussions and i'm not saying i want Nevison out here scratching guys and pulling guys off the ice every night but you kind of just want to see some sort of consistency right because to me if you're a player in that room and you're like hey yeah i you know totally fine i'm for being held accountable for my mistakes but you know why can this player you know make a mistake and he's just right back out there and i'm sitting in the press box right like i don't know to me it could just that it's it's a it's a thin line between you know, making those decisions and kind of the impact it might have on a room or maybe just, you know, a couple guys. But, um, yeah, I have, it's been, you know, if I have one major criticism of Evison, I think that's probably it. I think we saw it early in the year with Rossi, too, um, with him, you know, seemingly being extra hard on a, on a brand-new rookie. And, you know, instead of kind of coaching him and letting him make mistakes and coaching him on the mistakes, like, oh, made a mistake, see ya. Sit down, right? So I don't know if you guys have anything to add to that, but. No, I mean, not much to add. I mean, it certainly, you know, it certainly is. 
maybe not a prod, but it's certainly been a feature of his, you know, of his style, including last year. Um, you know, like you said, it's not, it's not, you know, maybe the biggest deal in the world, but, you know, and we don't necessarily always know, obviously, everything that goes behind decisions, but, you know, so that, I mean, like we can see right now with Ryan Hartman, for example, he's had, you know, a bunch of bad games when he's been healthy so far this year and has made, you know, the mistakes like he did in Florida and even in Tampa last night that, you know, tangibly cost the team goals and games and doesn't seem like he's, you know, as, as Brett just talked about, is going to be, you know, at least as of now, be sitting on any games or anything, being sat on the bench for anything like that. And, you know, not necessarily that every mistake, you know, like Brett mentioned how he was with Ross, we don't want every time somebody screws up, you know, there to be, oh, well, you got to be a scratch next game. You got to sit the next period. But, you know, it's just, like you said, it's it's consistency with uh, with him. And But, I mean, to be fair, as you also mentioned, pretty much every coach in the league is like that. So I guess it's not too surprising to see it here, too. I had just kind of got a random thought in my head. It, it, there's no merit or reason behind it, but mm-hmm. you, you kind of wondered, <clears throat> you know, of course they have the, the best pulse in the room. Uh, you would hope so. Uh, you know, in school, kids learn in different ways. Like w- one way might not teach another kid, mm-hmm. you know, how to do it a certain right. way. Maybe he has a pulse on these guys for like this guy getting scratched. This will fire his game up. This guy will maybe, do extra killers for. Right. I don't know. Yeah, maybe just I, need like, ba- I need a bag skate him or something. Yeah. yeah or right. he needs, you know, he so, needs the captain to lay into him or something. Right. So. Yeah, or maybe no, he has different ways of that, that's totally possible running. right because we don't re- you know we don't really know what goes on behind the scenes but yeah that's a that's a great point um moving on from kind of player specific let's move on to team specific issues um and i think the glaring issue right now is this team's complete inability seemingly to score at five on five um yeah. the last three games um being outscored seven to one um at five v five not necessarily from a lack of trying. They've actually had an expected goals percentage at 5v5 over 50% in all three of those games, which means at 5-on-5, five five, they're controlling the better of the chances. They're just mm-hmm. not finishing. I think their expected goals in that time frame is like 5.13, or maybe it might be, might be 6.13. So they're like four or five goals fewer than expected. So, again, it's not necessarily like they're they're playing bad. It's just they're, they're not being able to finish. We talked about, you know, the Sam Steele play last night. He gets a, you know, a partial break on the doorstep. Um, and yeah. just can't elevate it. He has a one timer that just misses the net. I mean, how many you know chances have we seen for Kaprizov? Um, you know, Connor Dewar, I think in my mind has had a couple of really yeah. nice chances the last couple of games. Um, mm-hmm. I thought the grief line the last two games was really solid on the forecheck. Um, you know, had some chances in those games too. So, is there a solution to fixing this necessarily? No, I think it's you know almost a case of the yips. I think it's just going to take popping you know one or two in. Um, but um, it, it's played a key role when you're getting outscored seven to one at five on five. Um, your you know your power play and special teams can only do so much. Um, what's amplified that too is we you know the power the penalty kill I believe has given up a goal in three straight games. I think it's four total across the last three, um, if I recall correctly. I think I actually do have that in front of me here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, four goals in the last three games against the penalty kill. Um, and then you magnify that with your lack of ability to score five on five, and it's going to lead to where we're at, and that's a that's a three game losing streak. And I mean, I think, you know, I think probably the, you know, obviously big contributing factor to this is that you know, right now the Wild really only have one line that you can 
you know, really count on to score consistently in every game. And obviously we all knew that was going to be a problem potentially a little bit with the loss of Kevin Fiala uh, and kind of putting Matt Boldy out there to create a lot on his own as a 21-year-old. But, I mean, I think it's just because obviously, like, you know, people have talked about the top line hasn't looked, you know, too great the last few games either. I mean, obviously they've scored – like Brett just mentioned, with power plays, they've scored a few of those goals. They've yeah. Much better last night, I thought. Yeah. No, they were. That, that is true. They were much better last night. They did move the puck a lot more in the offensive zone and actually sustained a few, you know, long pressure shifts in the O zone for sure. But they just haven't. Before that, they were just, just looking kind of off, uh, you know, and didn't really mm-hmm. get anything going. And I think just part of that is the fact that, you know, other teams, when they know that that's the wilds, you know, the, the only line that, you know, can beat you they'll focus you know their top defenders their top yep. checking lines on those guys and really shutting them down so obviously there's not a there's not necessarily an immediate fix for that but you know it's just it just is their lack of scoring depth uh you know lack of high-end talent aside from you know the, the boldies of grill and kaprizovs and obviously like you said brett too there's a little bit of luck and, and just chance involved there too uh in the last few games so it's it's just definitely frustrating because uh you know, just, you always your mind always goes to last year where a two goal lead or down by one with a minute left, you know, felt like oh no problem, and now you know they get down one nothing five minutes into the game, and you're thinking oh boy they got to score two goals to win this game, and it just seems it, it's just really tough right now. I don't really have anything to add to that. I think you guys touched on it pretty well. Yeah, so I, I think for me, I think, you know, we heard Dean Evison, if you listen to the post-game presser last night, talked a little bit about he really liked the way the Wild play, and I think that was a fair assessment of the game as a whole. I think they did, you know, for the, for good chunks of that game, really control the play. I thought the beginning of that game, I mean, the grief line, I think, went out to start the game, and then I think the Kaprizov line took a shift, and then he put the grief line right back out there, and they had two phenomenal shifts where they were just hard on the forecheck, and it wasn't necessarily like they were out there, you know, with 10 shots on goal, right? But they were pinning, yeah. you know, these t- top Tampa Bay lines down in the in the offensive zone where they can't score a goal. And then that opened up opportunities, you know, to maybe get the Kaprizov line out there against, you know, uh, a third line or something. So I think that can't be overlooked. Um, so what I, you know, what I would think would happen is I doubt we see any lineup changes here, at least for tomorrow night um, as they mm-hmm. come back home. Um, for a game, but um, we talked about this. They have temporarily dropped out of a playoff spot. Um, Colorado, I believe, has now won four straight games, um, have the same amount of games as the Wild. They're one point ahead of them in the standings with 55, Wild at 54. Um, Wild not currently in a wild card spot, but have two fewer games than both Calgary and Edmonton. Calgary one point ahead of them, um, Edmonton three points ahead of them, so in theory, you know, they win their next two games. Now all of a sudden, they're, they're back in the wild card spot, but um, yeah. Now ten points out of first. Um, that said, that's you know they, uh, Dallas has three games in hand. Winnipeg with sixty three points has three games in hand. So I don't think it's sound the alarms quite yet. I think I think these next three games heading into the All Star break are going to be absolutely pivotal. Um, and yeah. to me, I think you heard Bill Guerin. I think um, in the Athletic, what he did with either with Russo or, or Joe Smith, basically said like these guys will tell me or will you know not tell him, but. You know, show him on the ice if he needs to go out and make a move. Um, and I mm-hmm. think if if they don't win two out of these next three, I think Bill Guerin's going to have to really work the phones over the trade deadline or not the trade deadline over the All Star break and see if there's a way he can inject some life. I think specifically in the top six, 
Um, I think there's been debate if they should go grab a first-line center for the Rossi line. Um, and I think earlier in the year I would have – or not the Rossi line, the Kaprizov line, excuse me. Um, if you needed someone to replace Sam Steele there, um, which I think beginning of the year I would have agreed with, but I think my my brain has shifted more to I think you need to get a winger for the Boldy line um, mm. because I think Zeke, as you just alluded to, when the Wild have just kind of this one line that feels like a threat to score, um, these teams can key in on that Kaprizov line. Um, and it gets a lot harder to get those goals at five on five. So to me, if you bring in, it doesn't have to be like an elite player, but a legit top six no. forward, like just spitballing. I don't know. It's probably like an Anthony Duclair type out of Florida a guy who, you know, has had 50, 60 point seasons. All of a sudden now you have a second scoring line. You can split up matchups a little bit better, especially at home, that type of thing. So to me, these next three games, we pivotal. I, I, you know, I'm not going to guarantee it, but I, w- I would bet if they lose two of these next three that we see, some sort of change, whether it's a call-up, um, some sort of trade, a, a scratch, something um, coming out of the All-Star break. Yeah, I agree. These are all winnable games, too, at uh, Philly, Buffalo, and Arizona. I mean, Buffalo's not, not the same Buffalo as past years, but you still beat them. Arizona seems to give teams fits, but, I mean, these are teams we should be able to beat. And, and you know, same sentiment, I mean, it, yeah, lost my train of thought, but you, you should win these games. Yeah, Philly's no lost for sure. Four. And yeah, and Philly's lost four of their last six with wins over Anaheim and Detroit. So, um, lost yeah. Chicago in there, an overtime loss to LA last night. Got shit stomped by Boston. Lost to Winnipeg. So, you know, a team much like the Wild, reeling, and then Buffalo um, has won four straight. They play they play in Winnipeg tomorrow night. So, and then Arizona is. Arizona, they're mm-hmm. taking for Bedard. <laughs> yeah. No, they suck. But... They lost to Andrew yeah, no, last it... night. <laughs> yeah. The battle of the... In regulation. Of the bad. Not, yeah. They did beat Vegas studio. on Sunday, though, so they're, you know, that's, oh, their, okay. that's their proof that they're not in a full tank. Mm-hmm. We're going to try every now and again. They just <laughs> right. try every five games or something. I don't know. Yeah. Like, if, if we win one of every five, we, might, we should be in a good spot. Yeah. Speaking of the tank, no. did you see, like, Bettman's quote about, like, oh, teams aren't Yeah. Good. Yeah. yeah. That's the like same. A, well, it probably came from the same person that said that the digital boards were a good idea and yeah, people loved it. Come on, Gary. You can't do that dumb, right? Like, you're watching no. Connor Bedard. Did you tell me those teams who know they're out of a playoffs don't want the best possible chance to get that guy in their team? And, like, even beyond, like, I think we're forgetting, like, not the tangent fully here, but, like, mm-hmm. yes, Bedard is awesome, but, like, there are some other really exciting players in this in this upcoming draft. Um, with Adam yeah. Mantilli, who's, you know, having an awesome year at Michigan. Um, Leo Carlson. Leo Carlson looks like he's going to be a stud. Um, Matt Vaymichkov. Matt Vaymichkov, who, like, at this point, people are talking about could fall, like, five or six. Like, if -hmm. you have a top five pick in this draft, like, you are legitimately probably getting a franchise to potential, like, long-term top-line player. Like, hard to project prospects. But, like, there's no shot teams aren't trying to fall in, like, to that top three, top five. No. Come on. I mean, do you see the Blackhawks have trotted out? Peter Mrazek and uh, Alex Stalock, who was away from hockey for two years in goal. So. But I will say, He's I think Stalock's actually been well. playing pretty well. Yeah. Like, I think his, yes. like, his, I don't, I don't know what the update is, but, like, there was a point a couple weeks ago where he was, like, I think top, like, 15 in the league in, like, goal save above expected, which, yeah, great for was. Al. 
really happy. You see the other night, Chicago was playing Vancouver, and Vancouver was shooting like 33 to 8 or something, and they were down. Wait, I think they scored in their first four shots of the game, and I think it actually might have been Stalock that night. I think they had four goals on four shots. Ouch. Yeah. Anyway, Zeke, sorry I cut you off there talking about no, moves and cool. stuff. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, you know, Batman, you can't, you know, I mean, that's, there's, that's long in a list of things he say that are blatantly false, but got to remember that he's essentially the lawyer for the owner. So I, I, I got to imagine he doesn't believe half of the things he says like that. Cause I, mean, I sure hope not. Absurd, like, so. There's no way anyone can be that delusional, but no. you know, just kind of I mean, saying it, yeah. it. It's that like GM speak of like saying what you need to say or whatever, but yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's kind of where things are at. Um, you know, it, it hasn't been good, but again, it's, it's just three games. I mean, you know, all it takes is reverse that right now, you know, go win three in a row, go win four or five in a row. Um, they're healthy right now. Everyone, they have no injuries or anything. Um, so they're, and like I said, they, the five on five numbers have shown they've been underperforming relative to expectations. Um, so, you know, I think if they keep doing what they're doing, I think some of that will start to balance out. You know, we talked about two of these next three games with, um, Arizona, Philadelphia, winnable games. Um, you know, the game with Buffalo the other um, couple weeks ago was really, really fun and exciting. Back and forth all game. Um, should be an exciting game. Um, I think they're a team, you know, probably actually relatively built pretty similar to the Wild with some young players, some mm-hmm. strong veterans, some up-and-coming players, a star in Tage Thompson and Kroka Prisov. So um, it's going to be a big a big three games for these guys. And then they get a chance to kind of reset um, through the All-Star break. So hopefully, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised even if we see um, – if need be against Arizona, who the Wild weren't great against a couple weeks ago, um, if they were to maybe double shift, you know, a Kaprizov or something in that one, you know, loading up these guys, just, you know, knowing they're going to get a week and a half off. So, yeah, we'll see. But um, hockey day on on Saturday too. Um, yep. We were we have a statistic that we're not going to read because we don't want to jinx it. But um, we'll just <laughs> say, generally speaking, the Wild have played very well on hockey day um, this year. So. Um, hopefully that trend continues as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, that more or less kind of covers everything we wanted to get to um, on tonight's show. Is there any kind of final thoughts you guys have here before we uh, before we wrap things up? Uh, not much different from you just to, you know, add like like we've talked about on the show, you know, several times over the last month. Goaltending has still been, you know, aside from maybe a game or two, very good. And the defense has also been very solid. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know. I guess just a couple bright spots, you know. Yeah, Flurry looked that's phenomenal right. last night. Yeah, so and not everything is uh, not everything is going completely wrong, even with the losing. So. Right. No, and we also forget that you know Eck is playing really well and consistent. Yeah. And showed those silky mitts last night. So. Yeah. What a treat to see. Um, all right. Well, uh, that said, Justin, why don't you remind everyone where uh, they can find you and all your work? You can find me at DE's2004. You can find me at Kaprizov C with the Kaprizov Countdown. And you can find me at MNW Prospects with MNW Young Guns. Zeke. Yeah, as usual, you can find me on Twitter at Zeke Boyot uh, with capital Z, capital B. Uh, if you want to connect with me there, uh, that's where you'll find me. And as always, you can find me on Twitter at B underscore Mar- Wow. B underscore Marsh92. Don't even know my own handle. Um, and also at Sound the Foghorn, all one word, both on Twitter and Instagram. Philadelphia tomorrow, St. Louis on, or not, oh my goodness. Philadelphia tomorrow, Buffalo on Hockey Day, Minnesota, and then Arizona before we head into the All Star break. 
Uh, so we will be back next week for episode 100. Hopefully something fun in the works for that episode. So stay tuned. But until then, this has been another episode of